I'm really grateful that I get to be in this space with amazing people doing amazing things, mostly because I get to be the father that I've always dreamt about being, right? So I get to model how a man is supposed to show up in society to my three boys. And that's a pretty amazing spot to be in, considering seven years ago, I was just attempting not to die. Is there anyone out there? From Darkness to Life contains the real stories of courageous individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Rick, Ryan, and Damien are here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey. Okay, I think uh, we heard it good. Hey, uh, welcome from Darkness to Life. This is an OCJ podcast, and I know over a lot of the episodes we get heavy, we get deep, and at times maybe even a little frightening concerning some of the subject matter. I think this is going to be some of the scariest moments in terms of our podcasts yet as we delve into the minds of the creators of OCJ. So Damien, Ryan, Rick, thank you so much. I mean, almost a year ago, uh, you three got together and formed something that has taken a life of its own. And so before we talk about the present and where you see OCJ going, let's back up and start well, from from the get-go, the infancy of OCJ, if you will. Is that where you want to start? Is that a good place? We'll quickly summarize, and then we'll get your thoughts. So how did it come to start? Uh, from a lot of anger, to be yeah. honest. So, yeah. you know, um, with all the tragedy and all of the circumstances that have happened in our community over the last year, um, Rick and I had been talking, and you know, um, have a pretty close relationship and we were both angry about what was going on and what wasn't happening and what wasn't being spoke about, which was the addictions, uh, the alcoholism, the substance abuse and the mental health issues that were running rife in our community and causing these men to, uh, to have a loss of hope. So because of that anger, we decided to do something. Um, we didn't know what that something exactly would be, but not uh, a clue. Yeah, we just decided that we were not going to be silent anymore. How, how did you two know each other? How long have you known each other? Four years. Coming, coming on, on five? five in September, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. We I was talking about this on this weekend. Um, my friend circle, I'm more selective in who I hang out with now. And it's people that are actually uh, thriving in life and, and being being such that they contribute to society as opposed to taking away from it. And I guess that was probably the catalyst that Rick and I wanted to give back in a more authentic way and maybe give voice to what was actually happening from our perspective um, as recovered alcoholics and addicts. Quality friends and not necessarily quantity of friends. Yeah. I think the universe (laughs) has pushed a lot of the people I used to hang out with away for whatever reason and brought other people into our lives. Um, but we decided we needed to do something. We needed to be a voice for those people out there that uh, were suffering, you know, with addictions issues or mental health issues. So were you guys just hanging out? Were you guys just <laughs> shooting the shit, talking about what was in your lives? Or did you actually formulate a, a plan of sorts going, what can we do to help our community? I guess I'm more the strategic planner. <laughs> um, 
of the of the group and and i think the intent was you know let's just get out there and and i know you know going back to how me and damien met damien met me on one of the <coughs> darkest days of my life and uh he's a, a big factor in me not taking my life that day and uh he he accomplished that by just telling his story to me and and i knew i'd felt alone for so long and, and unique and and i couldn't relate and i was different and, and him telling his story to me instantly i wasn't alone anymore i had an ally i had a friend i had somebody that got it it right? formed a connection there was a connection on a level that like i you know and it, it took me being honest to get to that level but um it, it literally saved my life like that i i wasn't alone anymore and and i seen a guy that had been where i was and he wasn't just talking at me about where i was he was talking from a place of experience and he's like you know this is how i felt when i we when you describe how you are this is where i was at that time and and i took certain steps to get to where i am now and i seen a guy who was thriving in life and i'm like i it, it gave me hope it gave me hope that i can get from where i am to where i want to go and so as this all kind of wrapped up this year we've seen a whole bunch of young men taking their lives at kind of that same time period in their life as we were when we were at our darkest and it was like okay you know i don't think we're unique in where what we were feeling or 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 how things were playing out so i know the value of telling him telling me his story saved my life and it was like okay maybe maybe we can get out there and tell some people on a bigger platform and that was the creation of our collective journey or the no, infancy? No, no, no. no. That, was, that was just two dudes. That was, we decided to go tell Ryan our story. Yeah, <laughs> we, we just wanted to do something, right? So I think for myself anyway, I became apathetic to, if you didn't walk into the rooms of 12-step looking for help, or if you weren't in rehab already looking for help, then I was apathetic to what was going on out there, right? Um, because I'd got the life of my dreams. I'm, I guess I became complacent in a way. Uh, with all of this tragedy that was happening, the anger kicked in because it kept happening. And it was like, well, fuck this. Somebody needs to do something because nothing is, nothing is happening and people keep dying. So we talked, we went to this world suicide prevention awareness day. We talked to the, the ladies at the CMHA booth. They gave us Ryan's card. We knew of Ryan. Um, just, you know, you know, people talking about this and I don't know, mm -hmm. this good looking bearded addictions counselor guy <laughs> should, should meet him. Like, oh, we, oh, that guy, yeah, yeah, he, he intimidates us. But awesome. so we, yeah, we just reached out and we were like, hey, do you want to have a coffee? Um, we had a coffee. That coffee turned into like a three hour, just like problem solving or solution based conversation. Well, I think on, it started with problem identifying. Yeah. Right? And just like where we see and then what we could do to, help our community again no name no nothing just now instead of two dudes it was three dudes one with a little bit more accreditation than the other two and we just decided okay well let's let's get together let's keep having these coffees let's figure out something um we invited our significant others along for the ride you know to have a different perspective of maybe you know some non-addicts and alcoholics and we just started grinding trying to figure out how to best serve our community you know podcast was number one so get our stories out, the Facebook page, you know, sharing stories and then realizing that this is bigger than just an addictions issue. It's a mental health issue. It's women, men, 
you know, 18 to 80, it doesn't matter. So, you know, a lot of men's organizations were popping, popping up in Medicine Hat or Southern Alberta to just help men. And I was like, well, let's focus on everybody because mm-hmm. a lot of people are, you know, I, yeah, have addi- issues. Addiction doesn't discriminate. Mental health doesn't discriminate. So Ryan, let's get your angle of, of things. Okay. So Damien, Rick <laughs> approach you. Yeah. Uh, after overcoming, you know, the uh, intimidation factor of your incredibly impressive man beard. <laughs> so, so what happens? Let's, let's hear your take of things. How, how were, how did you become involved in this? And what was your first reaction when Damien and Rick sat down with you and said, Hey, can, is there something that we can do? Yeah, for sure. Uh, for me, you know, it looks a little bit different because I was, and I still am in the profession of addictions counseling and working with the addiction crisis team at the moment. Um, so I work with, you know, I'm also in 12 step groups. So I work with people that are ready for change, wanting to do 12 step, coming out of treatment, all these things. Right. But I also during the day work with that other population who maybe isn't ready yet to change. And it's the, you know, the people that Damien spoke of that at one point in his life, he was apathetic towards. Right. And it's, so I had that going in my life. Um, very well versed in what that side of it looks like and coming with the lived experience piece. We all kind of know that side, but when these guys got a hold of me, it came through some of my coworkers, they got a hold of me, said, these guys would like to meet with you. And I, like Damo said, I'm familiar with both these guys and had never sat down and really talked with them. So I went for coffee that day, fully thinking that, you know, this is just whatever. I don't know what this is, but it's probably going to get referred somewhere else. But once I sat down and talked to them, like Damien said, three hours later, you know, that whole piece is what I was missing in my journey as a professional is, you know, I never get to see too, too many of those light bulb moments where people recognize that, man, there is a different way to live. They aren't quite there yet, or I'm not sure everybody's got a different struggle and what keeps them out there for so long. But when these guys talked about this action piece, like what can, what else can we do? And that's where, that's what really got me going was, you know, this is another piece that I can add into my life is working on that change step, that action step with these guys in this, whatever this is that we're trying to form here, because we all know, you know, once you reach some sort of professional status, there's a lot of handcuffs and there's a lot of stuff that keeps you from doing stuff after yeah. five o'clock. Yeah. And yeah. so that's the piece that really, you know, perked my curiosity. And so, and so there was an instant connection then when you met Damien and, and you met Rick and there's a few common denominators amongst the three of you. You all have your own personal stories to share. Uh, you all have your own personal demons. You've all come out on the other side. It's all something that you still have to manage. And I think that connection, and Rick, you said this, honesty. And, and what do we think of of when we think of honesty? I think you three have taken it to a whole new level. I, I mean... You put everything out there on the table. I mean, you shared your darkest secrets and you shared, you know, your most honest feelings. And that takes a lot of courage. And to be able to sit here in this room and see that and experience it, it's something that I've never experienced before, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'm so proud and honored to be a part of such an amazing circle. And you've carried that honesty and you've promoted that honesty. Would you say that that has allowed others to come forth and share their stories with OCJ? I would, uh, that you can kind of turn that question back towards you, Poncho, because 
Yes, I think it has. And how has it affected you? How has us being honest enhanced your life or allowed you to show up a little bit differently in your relationship with self or with your partner? Um, because we talked about this all the time is I don't, we don't often see how many people we're supporting or helping with our honesty and our vulnerability. Um, you know, sporadically we'll have somebody say like, you did this for me, but the ripple effect that we've created, not even we, that OCJ as a collective have created, we don't always have to see. And that's the cool part. It's that, um, we just open that door for people to be open and honest and be self-aware. Um, and like Rick said, to know that they're not alone, right? So, and that's a huge part of it to, sh to to share that story, to know, Damien, that you're not alone, and that right there brings so much inspiration, you know, to to everybody. I think, and I think it instills hope. Yeah, for sure. The honesty piece, <clears throat> I couldn't agree more with what Damien said. Sometimes we never know who we're going to impact or who's going to hear parts of our story, and it's like we. We talk about it lots. We just plant those seeds and maybe we're never supposed to know what happens. But, you know, I've had it in my life two years later, three years later, somebody connects after meeting us or hearing our stories or whatever. Right. And they're like, I remember that from a few years ago and it gave me hope. And at that time, I just walked away thinking, you know, by being honest and creating that safe space for this person to hopefully hear a message that they, that they like, or that resonates with them. I walk away thinking, man, I just hope that that person can change their quality of life someday. And well, and, and the three of you have made my life a hell of a lot better because you shared your stories. And I knew that personally I, I wasn't alone, but that didn't necessarily make it easy for me to, you know, share my feelings and mm -hmm. to emote and the tears that, you know, I've shed in this room. Right in that chair. Right in this chair. <laughs> you know, looking back over the, the last year, I feel a lot more positive about life. I feel a lot more positive about who I am. I know I'm surrounded by people that care about me. And I, I, and I think that's what, that's where I pull a lot of my strength from, you know, and man, there's, there's nothing like that, you know, knowing that, okay, we have problems, but you know what, we're going to take it head on and we're going to come out on the other side, damn it. And so, so that's the impact that you've, had on me did you think ocj would turn into i don't want to use monster but it, it it's become something bigger than the sum of its pieces i i think we all very consciously went into this without an expectation i think is the best way to put it and you know if i'm speaking for everybody cut me off <clears throat> but we went into it as humble as we could I think going, you know, this is going to be what it's going to be and, and what can we do? And, and I think without, we, we didn't have an end goal. We didn't, we, we didn't have a, it's kind of shitty, right? We didn't really have a plan. <laughs> it was just, it's going to be, we're putting this intention out there to be, to be supportive to our community. And we didn't know how that was going to manifest. We didn't know how that was going to turn out. We just took action and it was like, okay, what can we do? And that was, that's the consistent question that we ask every agency, every individual, everybody that we talk to, what can we do to help support you? I think one of the biggest things you did, you didn't put borders on, we're going to talk about this, but we're, we're not going to talk about this. So you say you really didn't have a plan. I think that was the best plan to not have a plan because well, I think it really opened up 
the opportunity for everybody. And it was, like Rick said, it was an intention. We had 100% intention that we were going to start a grassroots movement to help people in our community. Mm-hmm. That was it. The mechanism that showed up, if you would have told us whenever September last year when we had this uh, first three-hour coffee that what has happened would happen, I said, oh, fuck bullshit you know like we were just hoping to get in front of some people and you know we were looking at a very specific demographic and we were focused on that and that's not where we are we're more encompassing like you said and and that's just the universe or god or whatever whatever you want to call it has said your intention was pure i'm just going to put you where i need you and i'm going to put people in your path to support you uh, like yourself, like Rob, like Dave, like Brent Sikondiak, uh, you know. Well, uh, it's a huge list. We could yeah, yeah everybody. It. Everybody that's been in the studio, everybody that's interacted with us, Selena, you know, the Crescent Heights High School District 76, all of them. Right when we needed them, they showed up, right? And it's just like, oh, now we're now that's the next phase we need to get to, right? And like Rick says all the time, we just keep saying yes. Yeah. And that's a, I think that's a big piece that we talk about lots too is, <clears throat> Like Damo said, the all-encompassing piece, right? We recognized pretty early that from people reaching out and people that were connecting with us, uh, the addiction piece and, and, you know, the parts of our story that make us the subject matter expert expert on that piece, a lot of these people that were reaching out to us weren't filling that, that demographic, right? There were a lot of other people and a lot of other situations that were presenting themselves that were that weren't really in our wheelhouse, the three of us. And that is something that we worked on from day one is that there's no ego involved in this, right? We're not going to be able to fix everybody. We're not here to fix anybody, but we're sure going to help you find you the right resources or the right people. And that's where that whole collaboration piece was and where it continues to come in every day. And I think it's providing them an opportunity. Like, you know, we're, we can't fix anybody. Damien couldn't fix me. That took me fixing me, you know, but it was Damien presenting an opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's, that's the big thing is, is there's, there's a whole bunch of accountability with the three of us too. I think like nobody's doing, nobody's helping anybody if they're not willing to help themselves. Yeah. Like we, you know, and, and we have lots of, lots of parents, spouses, the, the, the other person in the relationship, not the, not the addict, not the alcoholic, not the person suffering, the, the support. We have a ton of those people reaching out to us, probably more than actually the people suffering. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's a really hard conversation because it, you know, they're like, what can I do? And the answer is typically nothing. <laughs> not a whole lot. Kind of crazy to think that we're surrounded by people that we're loved and, and they're willing to listen. And, and for whatever reasons, for the longest time, so many of us, didn't speak. I think the three of mm-hmm. you are being incredibly humble. Uh, the strength that you've you've given to others and something else that you've shown me, we are stronger together. You know, I, I mean, you have those really awful fucking days. There's always somebody there to, to help pick you up. There's always somebody there that understands what what you're going through. Let me ask you something else about our collective journey. Um, what are your personal highlights? Were, were you surprised by the reaction that you got from the community? Were you surprised <laughs> by all of the different people from all of the different careers and the walks of life that were coming to you three going, I want to be a part of this? Well, I just, if I think back like to the inception, like that uh, community roundtable that we had in October, 
to see the people that we had invited, what was there, like 30, 35 yeah. community leaders and different organizations to, to have them show up for, was it a Sunday afternoon? Saturday, Saturday afternoon, you know, to take an afternoon out of their weekend and then walk in and you're talking to these people that have made a difference in my life. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I don't know why you invited me, but whatever it is, I'm here because I know it's important. Right. And they really had no concept of what we were doing until we told them and they're to a, to a person. They're like, we're in, you know, what do you need from us? That's all it took. Yeah. And that was it. And so that spoke volumes to what what we actually bring to the table which is some pretty genuine you know honest uh compassionate caring men who just wanted to make a difference but then to have these these amazing people that uh helped us along the way want to be part of this was like oh man that was eye-opening to start right and then it's just been For sure. another 10 every week another 10 <laughs> another 10 right were you surprised to see and experience and hear such honesty from maybe people that you never thought you would? I, th I think in the moment I was a little bit surprised, but looking back on it now, I'm not because we created that safe space for people to be open and vulnerable. And by us, you know, I look back in my story and I didn't have that permission until I met somebody who was doing the same thing. And that opened the door for me, right? So by us doing that, we kind of know, like I talk about this, you know, with my spouse is that, you know, am I surprised where we're at today? I'm kind of surprised, but I'm not shocked by it because that worked in my life. What we're doing today is what changed my life. In my experience, I was like the cookie cutter version of what society spits out today. That's what I lived the first 40 years of my life. I was, you know, materialistic. I, all my values were messed up. It was about chasing this and that and having this fancy image. And it wasn't until somebody shared their experience and opened that door for me to open, honest, vulnerable, compassionate. And, and that's what changed my life around meeting that individual. Right. Even though, you know, I was in active addiction, I had burnt my life to the ground, all those things that we know about my story. But so I know for a fact that it works because it worked on me. And then I met these two guys and it worked for them. So then I was like, man, I think this will work if people just listen. Right? Do, you, do you have a personal highlight, whether it's a guest or an epiphany? Uh, for me personally, I mean, Every guest has been amazing that sat in these chairs. The stories, you know, sometimes the the ones that I didn't know their story too well, or I wasn't, you know, being a human being, I wasn't too jazzed up about, you know, having certain guests on, or some were a lot more exciting for me to to realize they're coming on our on this show. And it's usually those people that said something that I'll resonate with for the rest of my life, right? It's usually a message from the least likely person. And uh I don't have a specific highlight because all the moments have been amazing. Um, one of the bucket list things in my whole life, I think, and, and not to name drop or anything, but to sit down and actually talk with Theo about recovery. Um, you know, growing up watching this guy light it up in the NHL and light it up for Team Canada and all these things, right? I, I wasn't interested to hear any of that stuff. It was sit down and let's talk about what recovery looks like in your life and, and what you're doing to keep moving forward in a healthy way and how he's helping people. That was an amazing hour for me. Let's uh, go around the table. Damien, is is there anything that stands out? Is there anything that really, really connected with you or yeah, yeah. surprised you or, or really hit home for you? Yeah, that Sunday night doing that podcast with Rick and my brother. Yeah. yeah bar none, you know, to, uh, to be able to support your hero 
in his rediscovery of self. Did you learn more about your your brother and your family that night? I don't know. I don't think learn more is the the words that sure. I would say, but what I think the what it was was that uh we healed. You know, we we've been healing for a long time. Um and it was just, you know, that catalyst, that event, that opportunity to come in here that night uh, to start a healing, you know, the next phase of the healing process was pretty, pretty powerful, right? And then to see my brother where he's at today um, with renewed vigor for life is uh, pretty cool. My brother's back, you know, so easily the highlight of uh, the last year. Rick? You don't have to say meeting me. (laughs) Well... I now have a man's beard that I wish to emulate, which I guess is... Did you grow that? Like, you were clean shaven last week, man. How do you... Uh, I just, like, really focus, and it just pops out. Wow, that's yeah. Yeah, that's the power of uh, positive it's thinking right like there. Kind of like a Jedi mind trick, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think... F- I Like, I can't give you one. I mean, there's been so many mind-blowing opportunities, and I think, like, you know, Damien talked about, we we think we're on this course and then we change like this thing, just this person, this opportunity, this agency, something drops in our lap and we, faith, I guess I'm, you know, it's it's no secret that I'm not a Christian God fearing individual. I've developed a trust in the universe whatever call it what you will call faith whatever you will yeah. whether you believe in this god or that god or the flying spaghetti monster yeah. i think this is something that we have learned in the last year that you you need to keep faith regardless of where you find that i think that is my personal highlight is just this trust that if we keep showing up and doing the right thing for the right motivation mm-hmm. i don't even need to have a plan it's just gonna, it's gonna be what it's gonna be, and I'm okay with it. And I know it's gonna be exactly how it should be. So, is that the plan moving ahead to have no plan? Yeah. Or, or, or what do you see happening with with our collective journey? I think we try to have direction, but not necessarily a step by step plan. Like I, you know, I think we. We just keep trying to do more of what we've been doing, right? It seems mm-hmm. to be working. The response has been amazing, like shocking. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about some of the successes that our collective journey has had? I mean, it started over a, a three-hour coffee conversation with the idea of a podcast to support the community. What happened after the podcast? The Facebook page. Well, it, it's, you know, that's that's something that I think people might not know, listeners, is like, this thing is so much more than this podcast, right? This is like one, this is two hours out of our week. Totally. You know, there's another 40 to 50 hours each that we're juggling doing other, other angles of, of this with community engagement and personal individual, like one-on-one support. And, and this we're, it's so much more than just a podcast. Um, well, let's let's talk about some of the communities that have become involved, or some of the organizations that have become involved with OCJ. Where do you want to begin? Because there's a lot now. <laughs> it's wild. Uh, well, here all looking at me. Okay, um, <laughs> yes. you, you got the finger on the pulse of that. <laughs> Don't look at me. 
<laughs> so we've uh, our first. I think our first big collaboration was uh, Brent's contact was was a big supporter of what we were doing. He Medicine Hat Police, the Medicine Hat Police okay. Department. Yeah. So he brought us in, and we talked to every patrol group, and and we built some pretty cool relationships out of that um, within the police force, and as well with referrals from the police force with individuals now that we've we've supported as well. Um, the food bank, you know, Selena, Selena support's been absolutely amazing. We're really excited to see with that, with the new facility opening up and us actually having a, a brick and mortar home. Um, the, I think that, you know, that'll be a big stepping stone too, I mm -hmm. think, um, to actually have a physical presence and not just these dudes and cell phones and, you know, we're just numbers and Facebook messages where we'll actually be somewhere. So just naming those two organizations right there, I, that speaks volumes Huge. about... Oh, that's a drop in the bucket, I yeah, think. So right? far. So we've, yeah. uh, you know, we, we were lucky enough to have Mark Davidson, uh, the superintendent of the school, uh, SD76. Mm -hmm. He's stepped up and, and um, he's a, on our board of directors now. Um, and so he's looking to collaborate within the school system. We've started doing that with some collaborations with um, Crescent Heights High School. These guys were just up a couple weeks ago up in Oyen. Um, that was kind of an AHS initiated program in the school system. AHS, so Alberta Health Services. Yep. Um, recently, another another one of our board of directors is uh, the director of the Remand Center here locally. So we're looking at developing some programming within the Remand Center um, as a joint as a joint effort between. OCJ and the Department of Corrections. I don't know if that's the right thing to mm -hmm. call it, right? Um, so it hasn't even been a year and you already have five very important organizations that are part of this community that <clears throat> that also want to help. OCJ, you three have become a conduit to bring all of these people together. Yeah, and I, again, I think that's a drop in the bucket. Like, For you sure know, the is. list keeps going. You know, the college, um, Kevin Shufflebottom, the president of the college, he's been a huge supporter and and uh, trying to collaborate and figure out how we can support their their programming, their students, their staff. Um, yeah, it's yeah. been it's been pretty wild. All of the, I mean, I, you know, and I'm sorry, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, for sure. and I mean, no well, even the, the the whole group of psychologists, we've had a bunch yeah. on this podcast. One of the big supporters of us is Keys to Hope, a local agency, right? And Malisha and the, her entire staff invited us in. We did a presentation on our lived experience and what OCJ is, and I mean, we've been collaborating with them you know, pretty much since day one, but now it's growing into something where we refer people back and forth to each other. It's, it's amazing. Rick has turned into a noun up there as well. <laughs> we'll go into that later. Well, and, and then what was the framing a pathway forward with yeah. Canadian yeah. mental health? For sure. Uh, yeah. And it's only been one season. It's, it's only been one year. It hasn't even been a year. So knowing that you have all of these organizations and all of these amazing people <clears throat> that want to help grow our community and that want to help, I guess, just not even our community. I mean, anybody that wants to feel better about themselves. So looking back, do you go, this is absolutely amazing that we, that we have so many people wanting to help us, or do you go, holy shit, we have a lot more work to do. Well, I think it's, for me, it's at the end of the day, these agencies and organizations are doing amazing work yeah. in their respected fields sure. right and there isn't a lot of collaboration maybe not as much collaboration as could should happen or could happen but what i think it is is it's just especially after this pandemic people are starving mm -hmm. for connection people are starving to support you know or be supported and i think with us just having conversations about what's going on 
you know, in our lives and giving permission to people, other people to have those conversations, people are just supporting each other organically. Right. And I think that's what our whole hope was, was just to be that gap filler, um, to penetrate those silos, to allow more collaboration between these organizations and, and just people in general. There's a lot of people that aren't associated with Canadian mental health or the food bank yeah. or, or whatever, and just bringing them out of their house to help each other, to make connection to, you know, like you say all the time, Pancho, how are you doing today you yeah. know, with true authenticity? So um, hopefully that's what we're doing in our community is just making it all right for us to connect with our neighbors, connect with people and see each other just as human beings. Our collective journeys really become the glue then in, in, in terms of giving all of these organizations and these people or another analogy, think of it as, as all of these organizations as pieces of a puzzle. And our collective journey is the table that you put all of the pieces on and it allows, you know, this puzzle to come together. And when you have that puzzle together, you, you can see the big picture. That's a cool analogy. Thanks. Just thought that up. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. I have, have a moment every once in a while. This must have been All my right. booster That's juice. it. I'm done. I'm going to go out on a high note. Thanks, guys. <laughs> See you next season. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Thoughts? I don't want to wrap it up here, but I, no, I, I just no, want to sure see, not. Is, is there anything that has amazed you about the last season? I think for me, it's been you know, going back to all the individuals that have shown interest in what we're doing and the agencies. And it's, you know, when I get an email now, it's, it doesn't shock me anymore because I know that there's a demand for what we're doing out there, but you know, some of the agencies and some of the people that are contacting us, when I see their name on my phone, I'm like, wow, this thing is, you know, going where it needs to go, but never did I think it was going to go this quickly. Right. Like we have people has, from. Has Cal it overwhelmed you? So I didn't mean to cut you off. No. No, for me, no, not a bit. And when you talk about, you know, there's a lot more work to do for me, this is, you know, work is what I used to do for 20 years in the oil patch. That was a job. I was tied to it. I hated doing it. I had to go do it to pay the bills. Yeah. So that was work. When I got into this role, I know Rick talked about, you know, his biggest highlight was finding faith. And for me, understanding since I got into recovery and, you know, being the, the Christian now that I am for the last couple of years, understanding that. This isn't my path. It's my path, but I don't know where it's going. I just have to keep saying yes. And I just have to keep following it. It's laid out already. So for me, finding OCJ and becoming part of this and working in this field with these individuals like myself and Rick and Damien and, and people who are struggling isn't work for me. It's, it's something that I enjoy doing. Like I have no problem doing it, answering the phone at eight o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, because it's not really work. It's fulfilling. It's so fulfilling, right? And we've talked about it lots where by helping somebody else, it helps me, in, inadvertently helps me and makes my day better. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it's just day after day of full-on rewards helping people. So it's not a job anymore. It's like, this is what I was meant to do. And it just took me 46 years to figure it out. Well, and you know what? Some people go through their entire lives and and they never figure that out. Yeah. You know? Uh, do you guys feel the same? Do you share the same sentiment as Ryan? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I've, I've struggled a lot with, with depression and suicidal thoughts and planning and, you know, I've, I've, I've been in very, very dark periods of my life and, uh, and I have, 
it, in those moments, you know, I genuinely, anybody who's been there, unfortunately, you know, you get that you genuinely do feel that the world will be better off without you. Yeah. It, yeah. it is a legitimate, yeah. you know, like I, I had this conversation with my mom a couple of days ago. She's, you know, she, we were talking about, you know, what we've been doing and she's like, you know, I just don't understand it. How, how, like still, you know, we're a year into this and she's still like, I don't understand how somebody could just be willing to leave their family behind mm-hmm. and all that wreckage and all that pain. And I'm like, mom, and I had to like, just sit her down and go, mom, because they're going to suffer for a month and they'll get over it where me in their life is just going to be constantly a struggle, pain, right. sorrow, misery. I'm like, so like, I, yeah, you know, n- not that I'd all feel that way today. Right. But when I was in the moment, it was like, yeah, it's going to hurt, but they'll get over it. Yeah. Me, me being here is going to be constant pain for the rest of their life. So it is a genuine, it was a very genuine feeling of like the world is better off without me. And that's kind of the, sorry to interrupt, that's the insanity of that moment. Cause I was there too. And I know Damien's had those thoughts too, that we, it seems logical that for one month or whatever it is, they're going to grieve and get over it. That seems so logical to me. Like it's an on off switch. Eventually they're going to get past this. It's not going to take long. They'll go to my funeral and they're done. And that's so insane. Not looking back. Right. And we know so many people that have you know, lost someone to suicide over the last year or two years or whatever in our lives. And those people are still grieving. It's a process and it's different for everybody. It's, it's wild to think that's where, sorry to interrupt again, but that's where my mindset was at that time too. Like I'm checking out and I'm taking the problem out of their lives. For sure. And I think that's been a constant in conversations. You know, I think we talk to a lot of people, we hear from a lot of people that are in, are in, or have been in that mindset. And, uh, and, and remarkably, I think that's, you know, I guess next to faith, that's the other thing that I've gotten out of this is, you know, and I do try very hard to keep my ego out of all of this, but I look at my life and go, you know, what a waste if I would have done it, right? Like all of, all of these things that, you know, whatever piece I have played in OCJ. Pretty big piece. (laughs) Pretty big piece. (laughs) None of this would have happened. Like, you know, the, the relationship I have with my family now, the relationship I have in the community, the, you know, cause I burnt a lot of bridges. You can, you know, you talk to anybody that knew old Rick and I was an asshole and they don't like me and they're entitled to feel that way. Right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> cause I was, and the redemption, you know, not even redemption, uh, like the purpose, I, I've got a purpose. I've got a purpose that I, I didn't have and what, what a disservice I would be doing my community and my family and my friends had I gone through with it, had I been successful. But you didn't. And every one of those decisions, every one of those thoughts, you wouldn't be sitting in front of that microphone right now. No, absolutely. And that, and for me, one of the biggest things that I've seen in the last eight, nine months is to watch my friend find his purpose and to see the light turn on and this, this vigor and this, you know, this is where you're supposed to be. You know, every moment of your life was preparing you for this. And that is probably one of the biggest gifts that I've, uh, I've received over the last nine months. Yeah. And, and like I did, you know, I, I've been sober for almost five years, so it's not like that piece is new. 
I've been sober. I've been working my program. I've been doing my thing. And it's, it has gotten better. It got way better. But it's never been amazing until now. Right. And like, I still don't even know (laughs) where that's going or what that's evolving into or who knows. Right. But like, I'm in. And and you've, you and I have talked about this before and it's something that Damien, you just said to see those suffering that aren't suffering anymore, to see those that have come out on the light side of things, to see those that have succeeded getting through their, their past times. I mean, that has to be incredibly fulfilling as well. It is. I think that's the, to see people with no hope. What did I tell you that one time we walked out of the treatment center for the first time after speaking and, you know, Rick's just lit up. He's got this fire in his eyes. And I think I said, uh, no, what did I say? No line of Coke will ever give you that feeling. eh? Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. And that's what that is, is that I think I replied, well, no, the first line was pretty good, but, (laughs) but ever since that I've been chasing, I think that's what this is, is just, it doesn't matter if you're an alcoholic, an addict, um, somebody that's a normie like Dave or whoever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when you connect with another human being on a non-surface. That. <laughs> that's our producer. That's our producer, by the way. But when we connect on a non-surface level, when we actually connect on a, a level that's a little bit deeper where we're actually being human beings together um, and supporting each other in that unconditional way, that's the juice. That's, that's where we're supposed to be. That's how we're supposed to live. Um, it took us taking our fucking, the, the dump truck all the way to the fucking dump to realize how amazing life is, how amazing other human beings are, how we are supposed to live in service of others. And in doing so, I'm more personally wealthy today than I've ever been. Allowing human beings to be human. Yeah. It has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with who am I connected to and what am I, what is that relationship, right? Now I have fucking terrible, I've had fucking terrible days in the last eight, nine months where I've wanted to not be on this planet, right? So I have ups and downs, but what I have today is just this awareness that I can get back to thriving Mm -hmm. if I do a few specific things and get out there and be of service and help other people and get back in my purpose, you know? Um, I see how much work Rick and Ryan have put into OCJ and I sometimes feel like I don't have as much invested yet. Right. But they're putting, they're using their specific skill sets to get us to a point where I can start to do my thing, which is talking to people. Right. Um, and so I play with that all the time. Like, Oh fuck, I'm not showing up as much as I could or, or should. But all I know is that if, like Rick said, if I stay on this path and the attention is pure, God will, Make whatever happen happen so that we can we can be the catalyst to allow people to become aware of what's going on with them and then to take action to change their lives. Becoming aware, do you think after all of the guests that we've had in here, and, and Rick, you said you were talking about suicide and talking to your mom and 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 how it's hard just not for her but so many people that that don't have mental health issues or that don't have addiction to to fathom to understand going how could somebody think like that i would like to think that ocj has shed a lot of light on those that don't suffer from mental health Mm -hmm. issues to to help those that do understand 
a peek behind the curtain of yeah our fucked up brains. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, really, call it what you will. Sure, we can we can say that, but that that was the that was a huge inspiration for our collective journey. Yeah, it's a. It, I think at the end of the day, it was just there's such a uh, misconception on what addiction and mental health issues actually looks like, right? And you know, it, for me, it was always somebody that lives under a bridge, somebody that's destitute, somebody that you know dirty grubby you know not successful that's what addiction looks like that's what mental health issues look like and it does that can be it but it's also there's a huge other demographic which are highly successful that are at home that are the mom that drops their kids off at school and then pops a bunch of oxys and drinks a bunch of wine you know that the guy who's working in the oil patch is ripping rails on his uh brook cd case in his truck you know that guy too has the same thing that i have highly successful people but we're just trying to highlight through our stories what this looks like so that you can say, well, fuck, that sounds like me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe that feeling that I've had that yeah. I, don't, I don't want to do this, but there's no repercussions because of it. Maybe before it gets as far down as Ryan, Rick and Damien took it, maybe I'll do something with this instead. Right. Maybe I'll look into getting sober, getting help before hey. I get suicidal ideation and take that last step. Action, right? And you don't know. I mean, from the outside looking in, you're right, Damien. There's these people. They're living the Facebook kind of lives, right? Where you only post the happy pictures on your mm-hmm. Facebook highlight page. Reels. You know, the highlight reels. And that's not necessarily the case at all. I think that's what really opened up my eyes over the past season about our collective journey is how some of our guests, professionals, those that serve the community, that they have their own struggles as well. You know, so I mean, whether we were speaking with you know people from the MHPS or I know we were speaking, I'm going to say EMT, that's the wrong paramedic. Paramedic, <laughs> yes, yeah, so we'll just say it with paramedics. You know, when Stephen was in, I mean, and he was sharing his issues as well. I, I mean, that really hit home personally for me going, yeah, you know what? We all struggle regardless of where we live or regardless of what kind of, mm-hmm. you know, life we lead. And right there is another connection that ties everybody together. You know, so that was a big eye-opener for me because I I was stereotyping. Yeah. Even though I didn't think I was. You know, I was. And that's a that was a, a, a big lesson learned um, from my personal side of things, sitting on, on this side of the table and, and having the privilege and the opportunity to have people come in here and, and share their stories you know, like yourselves. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it just <clears throat> fuels, it keeps that OCJ rolling and getting bigger and bigger and and bigger. Yeah, I look back at some of the guests we've had in here this year and, you know, some of the bravest people I've ever met and, and the feedback we got from a lot of people, they've reached out to one of us or all of us afterwards and said they've never shared that in that kind of venue or in that way. And they've never felt as good as they've felt following, you know, exiting this studio and, and knowing that it's almost like this pressure relief valve has let go and, and they're not carrying around some of that, that heavy weight anymore. Right. Even though maybe it's not debilitating or it's just something they've always carried and never, never uncovered, never put the flashlight on it. Right. So yeah, the, it's amazing. The, the, a lot of the 
feedback that I've gotten from our guests is like they didn't they didn't even necessarily recognize the ra- the weight of what they were carrying huh. around, and then they come in here and they, oh. you know, it's they forget that there's however many eleven people listening, right, or <laughs> whatever the number happens to be. I hope it's still twelve. <laughs> it's eleven now. <laughs> um, but you know, the, the, in a public forum, right? Like, because once it's out there and it's on the internet, it's out there and it's on the internet. Yeah. And uh, and the, the weight of what they didn't even like this this secret, this you know, not even that it's a secret, just the weight of this thing that they're carrying, mm-hmm. just to be able to go, you know what? <clears throat> I've got to, you know, I, I'm a professional. I've got to maintain this image. I've got to do this. And then just to come in here and talk to us and forget that there's mics and just be able to talk openly and then realize after the fact, when they see the support that it gets and everybody reaching out on social media after in their personal circles and friends and family, like I know even like, um, Damien and Nathan, like their episode, the talking with Nathan after that, the support that he got from the community yeah. from all these people that, you know, like it's changing people's lives just to be able to talk Mm -hmm. openly and honestly and (laughs) vulnerably. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a little sad that that's where we're at, but you know, maybe that's what we're working towards changing. And it's been pretty cool to watch. And the feedback has just been amazing. It makes me think of one of the steps in the 12 steps about (laughs) admitting to God to yourself and another human being, you know, like there's power in sharing our story. And at a specific point in our lives, our story becomes for the world. And when it becomes for the world, that just means that it no longer holds us down or weighs us down. And we're putting it out there with no energy on it so that Mm -hmm. we can help another human being. Again, when we're helping other people, we're getting you know, fulfilled personally um, because we've decided and had the courage to let go of that. Now to hold on to our stories, you know, that's our, our choice. Um, But I think that's what we're doing here. And this is all in my opinion, what OCJ is, is just allowing people to create conversation and be their authentic self. No longer wearing, wearing masks at work at home, you know, with this group of friends, that group of friends, just being themselves with no energy on right or wrong, good or bad. And in doing so, you will draw into your life the people that need to be supported by you. Right? No, no judgment, yeah. acceptance. Yeah. And that's, I think we live in a, a society where it's, we, we're looking at, well, I don't have that, right? I need to have For this sure. or I'm better than or whatever. Comparison society, right? And Keeping up with the Joneses. That's, that's the Western hemisphere philosophy. Yeah. And so when we get rid of that and we just get to show up and say, I'm where I'm at, which is exactly where I'm supposed to be because I'm here, you know, not good or bad or right or wrong. You know, whether you're an addict that's walking into the rooms at 12 step for the first time, or you're, you know, four years sober, finding your purpose or whatever that looks like. You're 16 years sober, like my brother. And you're realizing, oh shit, fuck, I want to be better and do more. And you, you decide to take that chance. You're right where you're supposed to be. Now, what you do now or next that's the part you're responsible for, right? You can stay stuck, no problem. Or you can start sharing your story. You can get into action. You can be, you know, the catalyst for change in your own life. And in turn, your family will be benefit from it. Your community will benefit from it. And the world. The ripple effect. Yeah. You're right. And everybody will benefit from it. Something else that's become, I think, very... I don't know, necessarily integral, but very important. And I don't know if this was always a goal of our collective journey 
Sometimes it was very difficult. I shouldn't say sometimes it was. It is. It's very difficult to seek help, to find help. And one of the great things about what you three and OCJ has become is that you can take these people and and you can give them the means to seek help. You, You can give them the opportunities. And I think that was a big part of the problem before is that people know that they need help and they want help, but where do they turn? Where mm-hmm. do they start? And I think OCJ has provided a a foundation for that. Was that ever part of the end game, the end goal? I think it was something we thought about, right? We want to be able to help people and we want to be able to walk through the doors of different places with people and, and just, Another piece to that is, you know, we don't want anyone to feel alone out there. Cause I know for me personally, man, at the end, I felt all alone. There was nobody there. Even though there was a lot of people around, my mind told me there was nobody there and nobody cared and I'm all alone. And that was one of the biggest pieces, you know, that helped me was recognizing that I'm not alone in this by finding somebody who had lived experience that had this story of triumph through their, their struggles. And now they're killing it in life. I'm like, man, there's hope, right? And that worked for me. So why wouldn't it work for the next person? And I know whether it's 12 step, whether it's going to the provincial building, whether it's getting a counselor, whatever it is, that can be terrifying if you've never done it before, right? And you you don't know where you're going. You don't know until you are in that situation, what's out there. So by having somebody like us and, you know, I don't want to say navigators because there's other systems and there's other people in the community doing that stuff, but by actually getting off like Damo used to say all the time, getting off the bench and going with somebody side by side through the doors of somewhere. That's a game changer in my opinion, right? And that's what OCJ does. And that's, that's huge. In your personal opinions, what's the biggest challenge of getting started to heal? Starting. Self-awareness. Self-awareness. I think, yeah. I mean, I know I've, I've been in, I've been in, I've seen it so many times in, in different aspects, whether it's in, whether it's within the room of 12 step, whether it's in like self-development courses, whether it's in, you know, we just went through like that color spectrum and stuff at work, right. Where you identify your personality and stuff. And if you like, you need to get really honest and it's not easy to recognize who you fundamentally are. Real Stop playing the victim stop being the product of just it is what it is what are you going to do about it only you can control that's it your reaction you can't control what happens around the world and you're right we need stop playing the victim i I, don't mean to sound like mm -hmm. tough love but that's how it is acceptance and on the other end of that and i think it goes hand in hand with acceptance you have to stop denying who you are and to be honest, to be really honest, that takes balls. That takes, you know, a lot of courage. And I think that all comes back to that first step. That is the hardest, isn't it? I think once once I became aware that I was an active participant in my life and the decisions yeah. that were being made and my actions had a direct correlation to the events that happened, I couldn't blame anybody. I couldn't make excuses. It was like, I, you know, one of the most influential men in my life, I don't even remember his name, and I met him once, and he'll never, probably has no idea. And he sat me down and he said, kid, 
and I was in a pretty dark place. And he was like, he was almost 80 and he had Parkinson's and just this amazing man. And he goes, kid, there's only two things in your life that you have any control of. Stop trying to control situations. Stop, like, at the time, my wife and I were separating and I was so desperate to get her back and, and fix things and, and make everything right. And he goes, man, you're still, you're still trying to control outcomes. Mm-hmm. So there's only two things in your life that you can control. And the sooner you realize that, the easier your life's going to get. And it's, um, what is your, res- w- the only thing you get to decide is what is your response to the situations that life gives you? You like, that's, that's the reaction. That's what I'm in control of is my response. I don't get to decide what the weather is <coughs> going to be like. I get to decide what I'm going to wear outside. You know, it's like, wh- how am I going to respond to situations? Not control situations, just respond. The second thing is how much effort are you going to give that response? That's it. Because there's a lot of things in my life that require all of me. 100% focus, attention. I need to commit to this wholeheartedly. And there's other things that require absolutely nothing from me. For example, what people think of me. I had spent so much time in my life consumed with the image that I was portraying, what people thought of me, how I felt how I thought they felt about me so focused on that and it doesn't matter you know there's still it's it's going to be what it's going to be and I can't control that and it takes nothing I can't control it and and so why all all I'm in control of is what kind of person am I going to be today so acceptance yeah acceptance self-awareness stop making excuses Become an active participant in the direction of your life. What do you guys think? Yeah, the awareness piece, I think. Awareness? Yeah. <laughs> so many people out there suffer or are going through shit, and they don't even know they're going through shit because that's become their norm. You know, so hmm. <laughs> the way that I grew up, the way that I drank, the way that I drugged was no different than anybody else that I drank or drugged with. Yet, I didn't have an example of what... I was actually going through. So for us to get out there and start this thing and share our stories and have other people share their stories, um, it's allowing people to, to make their own decision on where they're at. Right now they get to choose what actions they're going to take or what their response is. Because once you become aware, once I became aware, it was like, Holy fuck. Now I have to do something. You know, I can't just sit on my couch and be complacent and be angry because I know that that's not where I'm supposed to live, you know? And especially if you surround yourself by people that have the same issues as you do, how can you see it? Because that has become the norm, especially if that's how you've lived the majority of your life. And whether it's a bad habit or a good habit, that takes a lot of effort to break those habits and to change those habits. Or even, yeah, just to even know that you want different, you know? Because I think... uh, when I was in active addiction, who I drew into my life were people that were also hurting just like me. I didn't draw into my life people that were thriving, living bigger, better lives. We were just, we were extremely successful people, but we were like the crabs in the bucket. We were always just pulling each other down, you know, just we'll, we'll all stay here in this existence kind of plane. And it was awesome. It was great until it wasn't for me. And then it was like terrible and terrifying and shitty. And, you know, you just, I didn't know that there was anything different, right? You uh, use you use the word exist, and there's a huge difference between existing and living, isn't there? Massive. Yeah. Um, so awareness, 
acceptance. Ryan? I think it's, you know, what I've learned is the same type of concepts that Rick and Damien just talked on. And you touched on it too, is surrounding yourself with like-minded people, right? Like I know before I could find anybody in my, my Rolodex <laughs> dating myself <laughs> on my phone list, right? That would co-sign my bullshit. If I wanted to bullshit somebody, I'd just sure. phone up this person. They say, yeah, that's a great idea. Right now it's the like-minded people that, you know, I call them, it's recently been, you know, talked about in some of the circles I'm in name taggers. That's a, that's a great name for these people that, you know, I surrounded myself by name taggers, right? And back then it was like, I'm this person, I'm this person. And when I wanted somebody who would feed me that, I'd find that person with that name tag on it. I'd find this person, right? And nowadays it's like truly believable in somebody's heart. I can tell when I sit down and talk to Damo or I talk to Rick or I talk to you, Poncho, it's, it's not a name tag, right? It's, you know, if I talk to somebody at the church, it's, it's so easy in everyday life now, 12 step group, you name it to find somebody who isn't wearing that name tag. I walk into a 12 step room and somebody who's working the program, talking the language for that one hour a week, and then going back outside that door. And I always talk about it. It's, it's uh talking clean, living dirty, right? You're in there, you know, the language you talk, you put your name tag on, you talk for an hour and then you go back out and you do your thing. It's, it's bullshit. But sitting with these guys, it's right from the heart, right? And if I start using that old language, these guys will just tell me what is wrong with you. That's they'll insane. See, they'll see through it. hundred percent, right? And it's the same when I go to church and I meet different Christians nowadays, right? It's either they go to church for an hour on a Sunday or are they taking that with them and turning their life into that principle or in those, into those concepts? Same as 12-step rooms, right? Are, are they trying to be a better person seven days of the week or just one hour a week? And and that's what I'm surrounding myself with now. And that's what's drawing into my life. People like that. It's people who are living from their heart and not from their name tag. Conviction. hundred percent. Authentic. Yeah. Authentic. Yeah. Like I, used to, I think I used to live that life where I would show up totally over here for one hour so that you think I was doing okay. And then I'd go out and go through the motions, go through the motions. Right. And it's what really sticks with me. And what, when Ryan was talking was change is constant. The growth mm -hmm. piece is optional. Right. And I think over the last seven years of my life, I've chosen to grow and not every day is easy. Like I, I struggle at certain times and I'm, you know, I need to go through that struggle. I need to go through that pain to grow to the next level. Right. And so I'm not afraid to look inwardly anymore and say like, Holy man, I, I went through some stuff and I got to do some healing, but I, I'm not just, I can't just think about it and say, Oh, I forgive myself or I yeah. forgive this person. There's actions that I need to do to gain that serenity and that grace and that peace that, you know, I so crave. Um, but I'm not afraid of it anymore. And the one thing that really sticking out with me right now is, you know, we are open and honest and vulnerable, but I'm a warrior, you know, and I'm taking a stand for my community. I'm taking a stand for my family um, to make sure that other people have an opportunity to to grow. Is there anything that you guys wanted to talk about? I know I've been sitting here hogging the microphone. What's your biggest uh, takeaway from this last year for you? There's, there's been a lot, I think, I think one of them, honesty, real honesty. I didn't think anybody would, would understand the hurt and the pain and the dark times. Hang on. Let me rephrase that. I knew people would understand. Maybe it was on me. The fact that I had such a, a hard time thinking that people would believe my dark times and, and, and my sadness. And so I guess 
the strength. I, I found so much strength after becoming a, a part of OCJ and the fact knowing that I'm not alone. And that was a, a, a huge part of it. And I think the other thing that I've taken away from this, a big part of it is it's broken down stereotypes for me. When we've had members of the community in here and their goal is to serve and it never even occurred to me that they have their own issues going on as well. And so I think there's a lot more understanding on, on my behalf. I, I'd like to think that I'm a better person because of our collective journey. And I also know that I still have a lot more growing to do as well. You know, so I, I, I think on, on a personal level, uh, from a selfish level, yeah, it's made me realize that, you know, time to, you know, time to pony up. Again, you know, it's uh, fight through who I think I am and, and, and you know, and, and find the real me. And I don't think that would have happened. I know that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't sitting here with you guys right now. So, so that's one of my biggest takeaways. I can hear the emotion in your voice. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, getting a little quivery, getting a little shaky. <laughs> and, and, you know, and that's, that's okay. You know, because when, yeah. when have we given ourselves permission to just feel and to be open and honest and just to let it flow out. And again, I take, I take it back to our stories for the world. You know, we don't get to decide who hears our story and how that impacts them. But that ripple effect by just letting it slide out and just being okay with it. That's what defines who we are as men and as human beings is we take the energy off it. The universe puts it out there. Somebody hears it. And they have the opportunity to change their life because of what we went through, right? And and you said being vulnerable. And when you're vulnerable, that's when you can put all of your emotions out there. And when you're able to do that, there is this huge weight that is lifted off of your shoulders. And, and I think when that happens, you really start to see just how wonderful life really can be. And it truly, truly is. And I think that's something else that I've taken away from, from OCJ, you know? I look back, I look back to like, before I got sober, before September 16th, 2016. And uh, like the moments, the days leading up to that day, I thought I was killing it. Like I, I, I thought I was living my best life. Yeah. And I, you know, it was a, it was a Saturday. Had you told me on Thursday what that Sunday was going to look like, I would have called bullshit, let alone five years later. I thought I was killing it on Thursday. And so to me, that's that self-awareness, right? Is, is I had no idea how dark it was. There's a song, um, songwriter, Chris Stapleton, country guy. He, there's a lyric in one of his songs and it's hit me so hard. And it was, uh, I'm going to butcher this. It's funny how fallen feels a lot like flying until you hit the ground. Ha. Huh. So I had to let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> Chris and Stapleton like, wrote that? Yeah. Hmm. And I was like, when I heard that, and again, I had to hear, hear it like a few times, that song. And I'm like, holy shit, that was my life, right? I, I thought I was killing it. 
And inside of 48 hours, I'm ready to hang myself. Yeah. And it was like, it's terrifying how quickly, how small that window of awareness is. And I think that's, that's my goal for OCJ is to be there for whoever needs it for that fleeting moment that that window cracks open so that there's somebody there. Cause that all it takes, that's all it takes is, is just that crack in that window. Doesn't it? Yeah. And, and, and if that windows at 2.45 AM on a Sunday morning, we're there. Yeah. And you guys are, you're not fucking around either. I, I mean, time and time and time again, you go where you guys are needed because you get it. You understand you've been there. That phone call won't, you know, if, if you, I've had the experience this year of, we had this conversation that night and the lady was gone in the morning. She had taken her life that morning and it was like, man, it's not something that you can leave a voicemail for. It's not something they're going to call back later. Yeah. It's not something that can wait till Monday morning. If that window is open, we as society, as helpers, as whatever you want to call it, human beings, this shit can't wait till Monday morning. That window isn't open long. Final thoughts, Damien? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for, you know, the future. Um, I've been growing a lot since January and really becoming the next version of myself. Right. Um, which is exciting and terrifying and, you know, and all of that. Um, I'm really grateful that I get to be in this space with amazing people doing amazing things, mostly because I get to be the father that I've always dreamt about being, right? So I get to model how a man is supposed to show up in society to my three boys. And that's a pretty amazing spot to be in, considering seven years ago, I was just attempting not to die. And so to take it back to what we were just talking about, you know, that willingness showed up and I had somebody there who was also willing to put in some effort to show me what was how to grow, how to become the best version of myself. And I took that action, which led us to today, right? With a hundred percent intention on just helping people who might be suffering. And in turn, my dreams have all come true and your dreams, if you're suffering can come true too. You know, these fleeting moments of time of hopelessness, if you're willing and that window opens up, we'll be there for you. You know, and in doing so, we'll walk this path or this journey with you so that you can achieve and become who you want to become somebody with purpose, somebody that's personally fulfilled. And in doing so, I get to stay sober and I get to do all these things, um, which the universe or God or the creator call it what you will has always yeah. wanted for me. I just had to get the fuck out of the way for a while, you know, and just, just be of service so that life can just happen. I'm in the river of life and it'll take me where it's supposed to take me. And I'm okay with that today. And that's uh, a testament to everybody in this room, you know, in the back room, in my community. Um, yeah. 
Anything you wanted to add, Rick? The greatest, the greatest gift that I've received in the last five years is this shift from hopelessness to a purpose-filled life. And, and that I can't, you know, that was given to me freely by people that loved me when I couldn't love myself. And that's, that's what I'm bringing to the table is that support, unwavering support. I will match your effort step for step, pound for pound. My name is Poncho. This has been an honor and a privilege to say the least and a growing and a continue growing personal experience. So Ryan and Damien and Rick, thank you for, for doing what you do. You know, we, we talked about conviction and we talked about awareness and we talked about acceptance. And I think those are three amazing staples of, of what our collective journey is and will continue to be for, for those that don't want to be alone anymore. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Oh, you said that in stereo yeah. too. Hey, it's almost like you practiced yeah, it. Twins. <laughs> no, that's it. And that's it. I think the, yeah, thank you, you know, for a, choosing to do this, but also choosing to grow a little bit more each time and to take yourself on. Because at the end of the day, that's what this is, is just giving people permission to grow on their own terms. So when the courage, you know, you take a piece of courage from us and we're taking it from you, you know, to watch you grow, to watch you take these steps. Um, that's the, the connection piece that I think all of us are striving for. And, and we're just, uh, I don't know, the tip of the spear that's, you know, penetrating that silo that Ryan likes to say. So that, uh, so that everybody out there who listens to this, who interacts with the people in their lives on a daily basis, they can have more connection and be their authentic, vulnerable selves. And in turn, fuck man, what does our community turn into? What are our kids? What are the kids in the schools? What are they, how are they going to get to grow up and just be okay with being them, right? Amazing. I got nothing to add. Yeah. I think that sums it up perfectly. Yeah. From the plugged in media network. Yeah, exactly. I like, <laughs> you know, I'd just like to acknowledge the, I guess it is a risk, right? The risk you took, the risk Rob and Dave took to, to, so for everybody that doesn't know how this all came about, I bought Poncho some tacos one time. And they were great fucking tacos. <laughs> and I sat down just to show how this whole thing kind of like the right people line up at the right time, right? I, I met with Poncho to ask him what kind of software we should use if we wanted to do a podcast, because he's the only guy I could think of that would know the answer to that. And he's like, hey, well, because that was honestly our intent was we were just going to sit around and the three of us were going to yell at a laptop and <laughs> try and figure it out, right? <laughs> and uh, and he's like, well, I got this buddy Dave and he's got a podcast studio. And, and I mean, like everybody just got on board and supported us at on 
you know, we came in, we said what we were hoping to achieve and everybody just, without any expectation of monetary compensation, everybody freely gave of their time, of their skills, of their equipment, of their space. Thank you. Like it was, it's amazing what this community's done to support us. And you've been a big part of that, so thanks. And Rob and Dave in the back, you guys are killing it. If anybody's looking to do a podcast, plugged in media networks and shit. Yeah. <laughs> this is our collective journey. Thanks again, everybody. Fade to black. <laughs> Fade to black. From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Rick, Ryan, and Damien are here for you. Please consider supporting OCJ through a modest donation by visiting ourcollectivejourney.ca and clicking donate. All proceeds go to supporting the health and wellness of people in our community. Hosted by Poncho Parker. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a plugged-in media network exclusive. Thank you for listening.